Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where John Negroni and Will Ashton discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. So sit back, relax, and pour one out for the two and only Cinemaholics. Hello and welcome to Cinemaholics, only on We Got This Covered. This is our first episode ever, so thank you for listening to a podcast that you don't know if it's going to be good or not yet. So uh, I'm John Agroni, and uh, with me, my co-host, Will Ashton from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hello, hello. And let's let's talk about this podcast, because so usually we'll, we, we'll just jump into things. This is a movie review talk show, as you heard at the top, but uh, it's different. It, this is a different kind of podcast. It's a different kind of movie talk show. And to explain that, I guess we should explain who we are first and then explain why is this thing called Cinemaholics, which is, <laughs> I, you know, I, I have to be honest, it's harder to say, you know, we, we sort of, yeah, like, we, oh, that's a good name. And then as soon as we started saying it out loud, that's when the problem started. Yeah, we should have thought about it ahead of time. That's okay. So let's start with uh, who we are. If you're, if you're not like super into the We Got This Covered universe and you haven't read like every single thing <laughs> that comes out, uh, we both write for We Got This Covered in a freelancing capacity. I, I mostly write, uh, lately I've been writing TV stuff. I think you've been writing TV stuff too, but you've also done movies for them. We yeah, do. and I've done some news stuff as well, so I'm all over the board with them. There you go. And so uh, we also write for other websites. Uh, well, what, what are some of the places, where are some of the places people could have maybe stumbled upon your words? Oh boy. Uh, the Playlist, Cut Print Film, uh, Hey You Guys, uh, Heroic Hollywood, Oh, man, I feel like I could talk this whole podcast place I've been. Yeah, just lists of yeah. uh, your prestige. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's probably enough about us. I, I think the more important thing is what they we're going to do. They know us by now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if, uh, some people will be coming to this through my website. And um, shout out if you're listening on YouTube, iTunes, or Stitcher. I think those are the primary three ways. If you're listening in any other way, kudos, I guess, because I don't know. Well, I'm thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, yes. And let's let's talk real quick uh, what the show's going to be about, and then we'll explain what is Cinemaholics and why should you care. Let's talk real quick about what you're going to be listening to. What you're going to be listening to for the show. We have a ton of stuff we're talking about. We have a little segment called Show and Tell, for example, mm-hmm. which is basically like it's drive-by criticism. Maybe not criticism is the best word. We're going to talk about things that we've watched that we think. Uh, you either might find interesting or you might be wondering what we thought about. And this is inc- this includes movies. We're going to talk about Cure for Wellness, which comes out, I think, next week. Fifty Shades Darker, which we're not going to, like, review it, review it. But, uh, Will, you actually saw it, so you're going to have to give us some quick thoughts on that. Uh, that's, that ought to be good. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about Doubt, the new show premiering next week on CBS. Legion, the first episode for that. The, that's the X-Men show on FX. Again, these are all like quick things, you know, a minute or two each, and then we move on. Then we're going to do our featured reviews, and we have two big movies we want to talk about this week, and that is Lego Batman, the Lego Batman movie, which is the spiritual spinoff of the Lego movie, and we're going to talk about John Wick Chapter 2, and if you're listening and you're like, oh, I, I just want to listen to this and this, we have show notes that you can check out if you're on YouTube, the thumbnail will give you all the info you need to jump around, do what you got to do, but I would say, well, Ashton, when it, isn't it best to listen in a linear yeah. fashion? Life doesn't give you stop and goes. You just listen to the conversation as you go along. Right. We don't want we don't want to give you false impressions of what life is like in that yeah. you get to just sort of skip around at the best parts. But uh, if you do want to sort of hack the matrix, if you will, that is a way for you to do that. So 
let's let's kick things off. Let's uh, let's start. Let's talk about Cinemaholics as a uh, a podcast and what it is. And sure. Yeah. It, you know, the whole idea sort of came. It, some of you might know me from a previous podcast I did, Now Conspiring, which I launched a couple years ago, and you might have heard Will and myself. Uh, he he was on the podcast quite a few times, and. One of the things we noticed in 2016, more than any other year, at least I did, and I think you agree, Will, it, never have we had so many like these big, high-profile movies, your Batman v. Superman, Suicide Squads, have all these big movies and be just so polarizing between film critics and fans, those two factions. And one mm-hmm. thing we noticed was that people were really sort of digging their heels into one side or the other, and it was really divisive. I remember we talked about it on the podcast so often because it was such an it was, it was kind of like a percolating issue. And one of the things that I thought would be really interesting to present in podcast form is let's forget that. Forget film critics, forget fans. We want to create a new sort of quasi-pseudo category called Cinemaholic. And if you're a Cinemaholic, we welcome you. Maybe you have a little bit of a film critic in you, a little bit of a fan. We're both film critics who sort of started as fans, and we learned to become film critics and kind of a new generation. And we want to give you guys we, – we want to talk about movies not as film critics, not as like fanboys. And the difference, I think you can – figure out what the difference is like a fan can sort of be a little bit like wow this movie was awesome and just screaming mm-hmm. and kicking and a film film critic can be a little snobby and talk about things that aren't really that relevant and kind of just they're trying to sound smart we want to take the best of both of those and present them to you as cinemaholics it's just kind of like a little club for people who really love movies and even if you disagree with us you can have a good time talking about movies we're big fans of like if you don't like a movie or if you disagree with somebody yell at them make them feel bad about themselves and use name calling to get your point across and that is what cinemaholics is all about yeah yeah i mean i would say that like going off what you said like we're guys that just like we like a dumb comedy now and then like we're not just going to talk about art films and like hoity-toity rich you know like everyone that like these european films we're just going to talk about oh, movies as we see it yeah man i know i should have told you about this in advance, i thought this but... was just a podcast where we talk about tony erdman every single week yeah i was actually it's funny you mentioned that because i was watching that before we started yeah i almost thought well i was going to bring up the the handmaiden at some point but i think oh, we're yeah. going to save that for oscars next week because we're going to talk about movies that maybe didn't make it into the oscar noms because it wasn't submitted but the yeah, that was another. That was another I one watched, of those like foreign yeah, films. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I say that, and then I just realized I watched The Handmaiden last night, and I was watching <laughs> Tony Erdman today. So I don't even. <laughs> yeah, what, I guess what, what dumb uh, comedies have you been watching at all? Uh, oh man, I just lied to all of our new listeners. And I apologize for that. Great, great way to kick things off. Yeah, I know. But okay, so I think that's a good a good point to transition into show and tell this week. Uh, Will Ashton, what did you what did you bring for the class this week to show and tell? All right, so in addition to the films we're going to talk about in a bit, I also saw Fifty Shades Darker, which, as we all know, is the sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey. We all know that, yeah. Yeah, which started out as fan fiction, if I'm not mistaken. It Twilight was, fan fiction, yes. Yeah, Twilight fan fiction, and it... Uh, got a following it sold a bunch of books and it became a big big movie that wasn't really good but it made money right so we got 50 shades darker and um i mean i don't want to spend too much time talking about it because there's not really that much to say yeah i mean you know what the deal is they they know what this is you know if you're gonna go see it so for the people who maybe there's maybe like 10 or 11 people who are on the fence maybe yeah what would would you say to those folks well here's the thing 
the first Fifty Shades, like, I wouldn't say it's a good film. Like, it's not very compelling from a narrative standpoint, but it had a nice cinematic flourish to it. Like, there were some great shots. Like, there's good attention to detail. The production design was fairly interesting. It looked like a movie. Yeah, I remember the soundtrack but, was actually pretty yeah. decent. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like people put money into it, and you At may first, not be yeah. into the story, but you felt like you were watching a movie. This one honestly just felt like I was watching like a TV episode, and I just never like I don't care about these characters. I don't really feel they're developed enough to care. I didn't read the books, to and I don't have any intention to read the books. So wait, you said I just, you said this came off as a TV movie or a TV yeah. show or TV episode. What show is this TV show though? It just like it felt like a like a more R-rated like ABC show, and that's not to say ABC has bad shows, but you know like how yeah, broadcast television. Yeah, I know. I mean, it just felt like a generic like appealing to the masses BDSM film, which is a weird thing to say, but that's exactly what it is. It's just this weird like thing that wants to broadly appeal to all these different people, but it's like a kinky you know, unconventional sex drama. So it's this movie that can't really ever decide like the first one, if it's like a smutty B movie or if it's this, you know, high class kind of like near satire of something like twilight, which is kind of a preposterous fantasy of romances as we know them today. So it just, I, you know, even going in with low expectations, I just didn't feel like this movie really set out to be what it wanted to be. Cause it's like even watching the sex scenes, which are not, uh, you know, they're certainly not PG, but they're just not even that sexy. And they're not I even. I think in your review, you said that it was like the most boring depiction, or I don't want to misquote you, but. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd, I'd have to swear to say what I did, but. <laughs> yeah, say, yeah. but uh, never been yeah, it's so just, boring, this sort of material. Yeah, just never has unconventional sex been so boring. It's just like. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because they got James Foley to direct it, who, if you don't know, he, he made Glenn Gray, Glenn Ross, which is a great film. And he also made several episodes of House of Cards. I think he did most of seasons one through three. He has a, a lot of experience, and it just, I, don't know, I just didn't get any influence from a filmmaker. I just felt like I was watching right. a studio make a BDSM film, which is like this very, you know, it should be a very intimate, like, sexual thing, but just felt like I was watching a bunch of people in a room telling two people to do a sex scene. And it just never, like, I just felt unclean watching it and dirty for all the reasons that it was not supposed to be dirty, so. Well, it looks like uh, most other people agree with you in the uh, film-going community because this has a very terrible Rotten Tomato score. I think it's below 10% at this point. And there there are a few holdouts, a few people who like the movie. And uh, we were at, we actually had a conversation about someone in particular who, very respectable guy, uh, loved the film. So, you know, that's how it goes, right? But sure, that's always how I goes. haven't seen it myself, so I don't I don't know one way or the other. One thing I will say uh, before we move on, uh, or I do want to know what what is your final grade for for Fifty Shades? Uh, I landed on a D plus. It just like I mean I think Dakota Johnson is way better than these movies deserve, and she really kind of brings like a dorky like charm to this character. It has no real character to begin with, right? And I don't know. There is some like. I mean, very occasionally there's some, you know, soap opera silliness that's kind of appealing, but I just would not recommend anyone, unless you're really a big fan of these books, just, I just don't see anyone getting a lot out of these films anymore. 
All right, well, that's Fifty Shades. And uh, didn't you get some love on the rap about this one? Your review for it? Oh, yeah, they said it was like one of the, you know, like one of the biggest uh, criticizers of the film or something. You know, like just a, just a quote. Yeah, yeah, they, they liked your review, basically. So that was cool. Yeah, it was, that was cool. Nice I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I like the rap. <laughs> I like them now because... No, know, no, I like them before you. that, yeah. But no, I mean, they get brownie points, certainly, for sharing my work. All right. Well, so one thing I wanted to bring to show and tell, there is a there's a new show on CBS coming out next. I think it's uh, February 15th. But I, I think that's Wednesday, maybe. And I went ahead and saw this and yeah. reviewed it for We Got This. And it's called Doubt. And there was some confusion when we were talking about this show and the messages before we started recording, where it was like, is this Doubt like a remake of the, uh, the Meryl Streep, Philip Seymour Hoffman movie? And I think it was like 2009 or whatever that year, whatever year it came out. Uh, 2008, I think. And no, it is not. It is not uh, anything at all affiliated with that movie. This is actually a mainstream procedural uh, law, sort of like a Law and Order meets Grey's Anatomy kind of show. Uh, it's from the producers of Grey's Anatomy. Their names escape me, but basically, Catherine Heigl. I said Catherine Catherine Heigl is starring in this one with uh, Dulé Hill from Psych and West Wing. Uh, hmm. Elliot Goulding is in this, Laverne Cox. Oh! Yeah, the cast is phenomenal. And the only sad thing about it is the show definitely is not phenomenal. Not yet. It mm-hmm. definitely suffers from some big issues and none of them pertaining to the supporting characters, if I'm being totally honest. I, I had some fun watching this one. It was, it had some really good parts. It had some really good scenes, especially with Dreamer Walker and Laverne Cox sort of in this like mismatched, uh, one's an associate, one's like the, the veteran experienced lawyer just trying hmm. to help this like mentally ill guy stay out of jail and just go to like, um, basically get asylum and there, there are some interesting there, there's an interesting energy to it you have like that energy that you know people definitely cling to when they watch something like Grey's Anatomy and they're doing the sort of you know the same sort of thing here with a boutique law firm agency and it's a great premise the only thing is Katherine Heigl's main plot just really kills this show for me she's basically in love with her client but there's really no setup to it. They've known each other for a while, and it sort of like jumps to the romance in the first episode, and definitely didn't buy a single word of it. I'm really hoping that it just sort of gets dropped eventually, but this is supposed to be like the hook of the show, is that mm-hmm. what is she going to do? He was accused of murdering his college girlfriend like 20 years ago, so there's also like this murder mystery thing going on. Uh, I don't really recommend the show much unless you really like Grey's Anatomy, you like Katherine Heigl, and you want to uh, basically just watch a fun cast talk lawyer speak and that's basically what you'll get with doubt and yeah so you doubt people will be watching this one i i doubt people will understand why it's called doubt there's literally one line that explains why and i I won't spoil it but it's pretty loose but anyway uh will ashton you have something else you want to present to the class uh sure i mean in addition to the movies I said, I also got the chance to watch David Brent colon Life on the Road, which is the new Office movie. But it's not the Office like the American one. It's the one that inspired it, the UK version with Ricky Gervais. Yeah. And even though uh, it's just Ricky Gervais because he's the only one from the original show that's in this thing. He wrote no and Freeman. Dri- what a shame. No, Martin Freeman. No, Stephen Merchant, who also created the show he's also the writer director on it with ricky gervais at the time he they wrote and directed every episode back in the day but he's nowhere to be seen on this i don't know why but yeah it's just ricky gervais he wrote it he directed it he stars in it as david brent who 
you don't know, he's the inspiration for Michael Scott. He's this like lowly, very unself-aware boss who just kind of puts his foot in the mouth every chance he has. And he's usually earnest. Like he doesn't try to be a bad person, but he just doesn't really know social boundaries or any like common decency or, you know, when he shouldn't make a joke, you know, like how Michael Scott would always do. That's what she said. Jokes. He just does all these wildly inappropriate jokes at all time. And now he's a failed musician, uh, which I guess kind of gets into spoiler territory for the show, but he's trying to restart his old music career that didn't really go the way he wanted to. And it's basically just watching him on the road, like fail multiple times, which kind of sounds like a tragedy, but I don't know, just there's something about this character that Ricky Gervais does where he just fits into this role, like a well-worn glove and he just knows exactly what he's doing. And even though I think, Making a movie as opposed to a show kind of extends the awkwardness to a point where it's actually like more uncomfortable than funny to watch. I still feel like there's this like genuine sincerity to the character. Like, I don't think he wants you to hate David Brent. I think he just wants you to understand that he's just a big like Nick and poop and that he is just like an old middle aged man that's just not getting the social cues. And I don't know. I mean, it sounds harder than it is to watch but it's just i don't know i i laugh as much as i did during the office back in the day so i mean it's not it's not like a like a, i would consider the old office like a masterpiece and awkward comedy and this i wouldn't say the same but i just think if you if you like the old office and then, i mean you can check it out if you've seen the american one but you just might not know the character that well but i'd recommend it you know especially if you're a fan but if you're not Check it out and see if you like it. And Where can people check out the find sh- it? Is it is it a theatrical oh, it, release, streaming? It's a uh, it's a Netflix release. They released in the U.S. I think it got a theatrical release in the U.K., but it's only on Netflix in the U.S. There you go. All right, so yeah. you guys can check that out. Uh, moving right along because we are we still have a couple more things to get to. Uh, I was going to talk about Legion ridiculously briefly. We there was one episode that came out this week, and I actually I wasn't able to watch the end of it, but. It, it sort of, uh, I was using the FX now, uh, <laughs> service and it just stopped working. So that's a bummer. I don't know what happens in the last 10 minutes, but I will say that the first 40 minutes of it or however long it was, was tremendous. I, I was really into it. I really liked what they were doing with this character. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's the, uh, he has like mental issues. He was in X2, actually. He was the son of, uh, Stryker, the, the villain in that one. And, He's always been a very interesting character in the comics, a bit of a deep cut, but people know who he is, and Aubrey Plaza's in this. I forget the name of the actor who plays him, but I really enjoyed it. Dan if you Stevens? like X-Men, sorry? Is it Dan Stevens? I, I don't remember. If, if it is, The it is. main character, you mean? The main actor, yeah. Yeah, that's Dan Stevens. Okay. So Dan Stevens, there you go. And uh, he, do, he does a great job as sort of he doesn't know that his powers are powers. Like he kind of guesses that they're real, but everybody thinks that he's just crazy and he's stuck in this mental asylum. But aside from that, I mean, it's just a really well-produced show, really good, uh, just good cinematography, good set design, really good performances. Uh, there's one character in particular uh, who plays Sydney Barrett, who uh, she doesn't like to be touched. And uh, she, she is a fantastic character. 
they did a really good job with this one. I, I say to go check it out, even though I don't know how the first episode ends. It's it's on FX now, and I think the next episode is coming out, uh, I believe, either Wednesdays or Thursdays. So uh, Wednesdays, I believe. Yeah, yeah, worth your time for sure. Uh, I, I will, I'll add to that something, but before we do, uh, I think, Will, you have one more thing? I do, I think. What do? What was it, though? Oh, yes, <laughs> a cure, cure for, for wellness. wellness. Yeah. Yes, that was it. Yeah, that would have been a good segue if I remembered it immediately. But yeah. Right, yeah. You know who really needs a cure besides yeah. Dane Yeah, DeHaan. so, yeah, Dane DeHaan. If you don't know, this is uh, Gore Verbinski kind of back in his element because he did, I mean, most people know he did the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and then he also did The Lone Ranger, which from a financial standpoint, and for the most part from a critical standpoint, was kind of a flop. I didn't really hate it as much as I think some other people did. There, there was, was def- an effort to hate it more than probably yeah, necessary. Sure. I will say there were like one or two, maybe like three great scenes, and then it was just like this kind of bloated mess otherwise. But I don't think it's like the worst film in the world. But at any point, A Cure for Wellness is kind of him returning back because he also did the Ring remake, which uh, also had a new installment come out, but he well, wasn't yeah, I mean, involved. One of my favorite things he's ever done is probably Ringo. Yeah, Rango. I keep forgetting that he does that because it's animated. But yeah, he yeah. did Rango, and that was really good. So this, he also did... this movie to me it seems like completely different from all of those. Yeah, and I was gonna say he also did The Weatherman, which is kind of an underrated Nicolas Cage dark comedy. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, it's like so different. I think the only one comparable to Cure for Wellness is probably The Ring. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of I don't know. I was thinking about it. It's kind of like The Shining meets Shutter Island meets American Psycho. And I would watch it's that. Just, yeah, it's like it's a very stylized horror film, like way more stylized than I think your average like yeah, like rings. Like it, that's just kind of like a studio mandated horror film. This is a filmmaker yeah. making a horror film. And I don't think like he definitely is influenced by Kubrick, as I said, and stuff. And I don't think he reaches their heights. But this is just like watching a filmmaker kind of given like 15 million dollars to do whatever he wants. And it's two and a half hours long. It's really like it gets like preposterously insane by the end uh much what is it just real quick what is it about oh so essentially the bear just the plot is there's this new up and start like wall street broker who has to go to this um european i don't know if it's it's kind of a spa they don't really explain it's like a mental uh health place where this one older veteran executive went to kind of cure his uh illness no one knows what this illness is but he went there to cure it and his older the other executives are just basically telling dane dehan that he needs to you know get him back so they can close this big deal and he goes and kind of the same with shutter island like he's in asylum and he doesn't really know if he's crazy or if they're kind of messing with him or if like it's kind of a mix of the two and it just kind of watching gore Verbinski go crazy as he makes Dane DeHaan suffer. And that may not be everyone's cup of tea, but I don't know. It's just so weird and it's so abnormal to your average, like, wide release film that I just thought it was just fun to see something to stylize go into, like, mainstream audiences. And I can, it's getting, like, mixed to negative reviews, I think, right now. I know there's a couple people that liked it a lot, but I don't know. I, I would say it's far from perfect, but. It's just weird enough for me that I liked it, and I'm hoping more people enjoy it so I can talk about it with them. So I'd give it like a 10 of thumbs up, like a B minus. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, does, it definitely doesn't sound quite up to par with some of the other really good horror films we've been getting the last few years. Like It Follows, Baba Duke, you know, Mermaid, well, films like that. Yeah, I would compare it to Split more than any other ones. Oh, like, I well, think in that case, I'm not. A, I'm not going to like it. Probably. No, I think you'll actually like it more than Split. But I think it's. I'm like for me because I, I remember walking out of Split more positive than you were, and I think right, right. It, it also has that same thing where I think it kind of falls apart towards the end. But there's enough. Like, not quite as bad as Split, but it does kind of lose its, ba- like its balance by the end. But I'm, I, definitely, I thought- I'm definitely hoping for the best, just because I want Dane DeHaan to have a good year. I want Valerian to be pretty good. So, you know, that's I'm, the, I'm rooting uh, for him for, you know, this time around. That's the Luke Besson movie, right? Yeah, yeah. The, his next sci-fi movie since, I guess, Lucy, I guess you would count, and Fifth Element. But Yeah. The new trailer for that, by the way, is fantastic. I There's a new one? Out. Oh, yes. And it... I, I remember watching the first trailer for Valerian and the Thousand Planets, or however you mm-hmm. put it, and I sort of was like, okay, I think that's interesting enough, like some creative design, but I wasn't sold. The ne- the latest trailer has 100% sold me because they used nice. the Beatles song, basically. But oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. Worth no, I mean, out. I am definitely pulling for it because I remember the trailer, I was like, this could be either amazing or this could be Jupiter Ascending. And I think that's still but, the case. I think people are still yeah. holding their, uh, you know, Holding yeah. back from making any conclusions, right? I'm I'm hopeful. I'm crossing my fingers for it to be good. Well, we we have to wrap up show and tell. There's one other thing yeah. though that we wanted to bring up before we get into our featured reviews, and that's sure. Mary Poppins returns. Okay. Did you hear about the sequel that was announced a while back? Yeah, with Emily Blunt and Lynn Manuel Miranda and uh, Meryl Streep, I believe was in it. Meryl Streep is yep. She's in the ensemble. Uh, we now know a lot of other characters. Colin Firth is in this now. Emily Mortimer, okay. Julie Walters, and Ben Whishaw. Mm-hmm. And I like all those people. Yeah, there's going to be a few young actors to fill out the kid roles, and uh, Nathaniel Sala will be uh, will star as the kid of uh, Michael Banks. So lot lots of uh, lots of mm-hmm. new characters, and it's all it's like a legacy film. But we also have a synopsis I wanted to bring up. Um, so Michael, played by Ben Wishaw, and Jane, played by Emily Mortimer, are now grown up with Michael, his three children, and their housekeeper, Ellen, played by Walters, living on Cherry Tree Lane. After Michael suffers a personal loss, the enigmatic nanny, Mary Poppins, re-enters the lives of the Banks family. I'm guessing, yeah, Emily Blunt is Mary Poppins. Re-enters mm-hmm. the lives of the Banks family, and along with the optimistic street, street lamplighter, played by Lin-Manuel Miranda uses her unique magical skills to help the family rediscover the joy and wonder missing in their lives. So how, how are you feeling then about this, this film at this point? Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I like the cast. Same, same. I like some of them. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of give or take on these new Disney movies. Like some of them I like, some of them like, like, I mean, there's ones that I liked, like, um, what was it? Cinderella. I thought that was good. I mean, I don't well, think see, it was those were, great. The, the difference, though, is those were remakes, right? This is a bit sure. more of a requel. Sure. Sure. So it's a, a remake sequel. So I, I sort of am a bit more, especially because it's coming out the end of next year. So yeah. it's really, really far away. So I'm hoping that's a good sign that this isn't being rushed, that this isn't yeah. going to come out, you know, haphazardly. Oscar season. I mean, Mary. Yeah, and Mary Poppins is one of one of the greatest. I, I believe it's a masterpiece. One of the greatest movies. Uh, definitely one of the best of the Disney films. You know, it's in the top five for sure. Best British the, accents by Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> I, I won't go that far, obviously, <laughs> but 
Yeah, I'm about the same boat, but all right. Well, we've run out of time to keep talking about. Yeah, Mary Poppins no, I'm parents, excited. Unfortunately, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about it as as we learn more. It, yeah, there's definitely uh, definitely more information going to be coming out as this uh, is underway. Yeah, let's let's pause, take a moment to uh, transition into our featured reviews. Remember, this is our first episode. We're still figuring this out. Uh, we were trying to figure out too, like, should we talk about Lego Batman first or John Wick Chapter Two? Uh, so we both saw these. So we're actually going to talk about them together, and you know, I, I don't know. If, I don't. I have no idea. Well, what you think of either of these movies, which is the exciting part. Yeah, I, that's I'm, what I mean. <laughs> I'm really. Uh, I'm really. Yeah, because I, I had the option to read John's review, but I was like, you know what? I like the surprise. I want it to be a mystery. We're going to find out with the listeners what we thought of these movies. So yeah. here we go. We're we're gonna get started. So with that, uh, we're gonna start with Lego Batman because I think that is the movie that, you know, even though John Wick John Wick is a great franchise, I think Lego Batman is a movie that people are rushing out to theaters to see. So we're gonna give our take on it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we are not going to be doing any spoilers. If we do a spoiler, we are going to preface with a uh, with a spoiler warning. But I don't think we're gonna get into spoilers for Lego Batman. Maybe we'll we'll see what happens. But you never know. You never know. But again, we'll warn you, so don't worry. Yeah, we we're we're not gonna spoil you if, unless we really need to. If we are, we're gonna let you know. Unless, like, yeah, unless you deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So here's the synopsis for the Lego Batman movie. Bruce Wayne must not only deal with the criminals of Gotham City, but also the responsibility of raising a boy he adopted. I think that is a terrible synopsis. <laughs> yeah, that was gonna say that was like that's like the bare bare outline of that movie. It, it is, it is, and uh, yeah. To add to that, uh, this they don't is, even mention the Legos. Yeah, it's a spiritual successor <laughs> to it's like a spinoff of the Lego movie, which was wildly successful. Uh, that was a wonderful oh, yeah. movie. I really enjoyed it. I think you did. Yeah, it was too. great. Yeah, and, I loved it. Yeah, this is sort of like a it's a branching away. This this film universe, if you want to call it that, doesn't really have any sort of like interconnected continuity at this point i think it's all just uh, supposed to be a toy box of ideas pretty much yeah there's there's one thing but i mean that's kind of delving into spoilers for lego movie but sure i mean there are repeated themes there's the master builder thing there's yeah. stuff like that that makes its way in here but you would never Daddy issues you would never watch this and be like well where's the movie that came out before lego batman oh yeah no no right? no. you can watch you can watch lego batman movie and not need to you don't have to see lego movie i mean it might help if you see yeah other batman movies but you don't actually need to they tell you everything you need to know i think that's exactly right that you do need to see other batman movies because otherwise these jokes are gonna go right over your head but yeah lego batman movie is in it's kind of an original batman story but he's a lego uh, he's a toy and they're sort of tackling there are a couple of things in here that have been tackled a lot but there's another i think the thing that i think is a bit more original is how robin barbara gordon and joker sort of relate to him in this one and sure. yeah, I came away from this movie liking it, but not loving it. What about you? Will? Sure. I'm on the same page. So oh, no. I thought. I was yeah, hoping like we would said, disagree because I really want to uh, argue yeah. about this movie. And well, we I'm, seeing, I'm on... seeing rapturous praise. I mean, we might disagree on John Wick, but so stay tuned for that. Okay. Uh, yeah, but no, I thought here's what I'll say about like a bad movie. I mean. Like you said, I really liked the Lego movie, and I think that movie is way better than it probably had any right to be. Like, that movie is just, like, a one out of a hundred success. Like, it just had the right people and the right attitude and the right energy going to this thing that could have been just a corporate sellout, but they made it this, like, fun-inspired, surprisingly very heartfelt 
movie about, you know, growing up and, you know, family and accepting yourself and themes that we've seen before, but not done this zany or this kind of specific. And so with Lego Batman movie, you're obviously trending the same ground and you're doing it without Emmett and, you know, all the um, other characters from that movie besides Lego Batman. And it's it's a funny movie. Like, I think they could have done this way worse, but they got the right, you know, they got the co co director, not Phil Lord, Chris Miller, but uh, Chris they got, the robot, they got the robot chicken guy. Chris McKay. Yeah, but he he's like, a, I think he was a co director on the first Lego Batman movie or the Lego movie. Like he, he comes up like the second title card. Right. And so he, it should be he mentioned was, that Lord and Miller also, you know, co-produced this. Yeah, but I'm not quite sure how involved they were, to be honest. It might have been a symbolic. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, we got a movie that's a spinoff, which is usually always, like, a mixed bag. Because you got, you know, you're putting all your eggs in the one basket. You're hoping that the supporting character can lead the film while still having the same, you know, kind of comic okay, energy. Yeah. What makes the Lego Batman movie unique, though, is that as a spinoff, it's not relying on the material of that other movie to make its case. It's actually relying on many other, every other movie besides Lego. It's relying on Batman movies and other yeah. live action movies, we won't spoil, but it's not quite like a spinoff. It's, it's a very strange thing. It's sort of borrowing the same techniques and style of Lego movie and sort of maybe, like you said, the attitude and spirit of it, but throwing it in with this entire other universe of material and trivia and references. I guess. I mean, I guess it's as comparable to Cheers or as, as comparable to Frasier as the Lego movie is to Cheers. Like you're just basically taking that character, but you're putting in a way different environment if, with a if different Frasier. Back. If Frasier was like referencing like other sitcoms, like for 30 minutes straight. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I, I I agree that it's not the same exact character, but it is supposed to be, you know, that kind of like narcissistic, selfish version of Batman. That's like, you know, quick to insults and kind of childish. Like it's not the Bruce or it's not Bruce, um, the Ben Affleck one or Bale. Where, it, yeah, it's it's silly. Batman. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's so, silly Batman, but it's mixed a little bit with like our jokes about Batman over the years, like the brooding, you know, the, how it should have ended Batman. I, I thought of him a lot in this. In fact, I'm right. quite positive. They took some notes from those parodies. Yeah. He kind of reminded me of, uh, if you ever watch like college humors, Batman skits, like with Pete Holmes, where he's just kind of a, like he's basically Batman, but he's like a dumber version of Batman. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you remember We've, those, uh, everyone's been parroting Batman to death for years, and this movie yeah. sort of takes advantage of that and you know mines that material. But okay, so as for the but movie yeah, that's, itself, that's kind of the problem too, because like it's all Batman jokes, and it's acting like this hasn't like it's kind of act like it's been done, but it's also acting like we haven't seen Batman jokes like every day, all day for every week of the year. I don't know. Do you agree with that or not? Uh yes and no. I mean, look, it's. It's very funny for what it does, right? The, sure. The Batman no, jokes agree. it does make are well written, and they're in, just in and of themselves. I liked, I liked making fun of Batman because I like those parodies. I never got that sense of like, ah, oh, we've already made this joke about Batman movies before. It was kind of nice to see DC sort of being self-aware for once, sure, that sort of thing. So that that part yeah. didn't bother me. Uh, I think no, the thing I, mean, I didn't like was probably more of when. It wasn't balanced well with the other types of humor in the movie, which is sort of the goofy, like, this is funny, even if you don't know who Batman is kind of humor. I don't think there was sure. enough of that. 
No, I mean, I'm all for self-effacing, you know, making fun of your brand humor, but I don't know if it's That's quite as novel. Ashton brand. Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, but I don't know if it's quite as novel as, I don't know. It just, I think they still think it's like kind of more original than it actually is. I don't know. I just feel, I see your like point. you said, it, yeah. I mean, like you said, it is good for what it is, but at the same time, it's obviously going in knowing that's going to be a lesser film than the Lego movie. And so it favors the jokes over the heart. And while there is like a small heart to it, it just didn't feel as overwhelmingly emotional as the Lego movie was. I don't know. I guess the best way to compare it would be there are two movies that come to mind for this. I think one would be Minions, the uh, Illumination spinoff of Despicable Me, which I don't know, it's not a great film, but it's kind of just doing its job. And the other earned, one, you would, have earned the ire of many people for making that comparison. By the way, <laughs> by, sure. by putting this movie up with Minions. Well, no, no, no. I mean, that's just one film. And the other one, I'd say, and this is one my friend Matt made, so I can't take credit for it. Would be Muppets Most Wanted, which is, you know, a film that is going off the success of the Muppets. The what was that, 2011 yeah, film? Yeah. yeah. And you're taking out Jason Segel, who's kind of the main component. Whereas this one, you're taking out Phil Lord and Chris Miller. And you're kind of coasting on the jokes, which I thought it worked better for Muppets most wanted just because I thought the jokes were maybe a little sharper and a little more, uh, you know, like a little, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say better written, but. Well, you could enjoy Muppets most wanted as a Muppets movie. And sure. there wasn't a lot of like borrowing from other films to like make the humor work, I guess is what maybe you're saying. Yeah, but they both have the same stuff. That's the thing, though. It's like they both are like, hey, look, we're kind of have the odds against us. Let's just enjoy ourselves. We hope you enjoy yourself, too. And overall, like you said, yeah, Lego Batman movie, I'd say it's a good film. I enjoyed myself while I was watching it, but I also felt kind of tired by the amount of jokes. And I just felt like the jokes they were making were maybe, I don't know, maybe a little too pop culture focused for their own good. Like, I don't know, because like the first movie, they established that it's in this. Well, OK, I'll say very briefly, kind of a mild spoiler for the Lego movie. Um they established that it's all in this kid's mind and that that's the reason why like he doesn't swear or he is, he just has like kind of a child attitude for everything. But like what kid's going to know like what Jim Cotta is or like what sixties Batman was like, or what, hmm. uh, I don't know. I didn't or, even like, think what... of that to be totally honest because I sort of uh, forgot that aspect of the Lego movie and was just sort of, this is its own thing. Sure. And I mean, that's again, like, like you said, you know, you don't have to see, the Lego movie, you don't have to think about that because the movie is so fast and so kind of chaotic that you don't really have to focus or spend too much time even thinking about what's going on. But at the same time, I don't know. It just, I'm it's worried more that... Like, it's more like the Lego Batman movie was made by a really, like, just a Batman nerd. A guy sure. or a girl who loves Batman trivia and it's it's in their head. So maybe it would have been a little bit more effective if it would have ended the same as Lego movie but with a teenager sort of in that role or like a 29 year old comic book store owner yeah i mean i guess i kind of see it like with rope one how that was like a super star wars movie that was made by 30 year olds or four 30 year olds i felt like this is like a lego batman movie that was made for 30 year olds and 40 year olds but it still has all those elements that make it a kid's movie right so like you know the whole thing is very lively and vibrant and it it sort of presents itself as like something for kids because it's so fast paced and there are there are so many jokes if you don't get one joke don't worry the next one's yeah. coming in like less than a second oh for sure yeah and i mean i'd say like three out of five jokes at least earn like a chuckle 
Well, okay. Well, let's talk about the story real quick then for, for Lego Batman movie because I, I feel like I, I sort of came away from this movie with some different conclusions that are in the same vein, maybe. I The story of it is where things sort of... I, I had some issues. And the, the whole point of it, and we sort of covered it in the synopsis, is that you know in this world Batman is he he's a as much of a pop culture phenomenon as he is in real life, you know everyone in Gotham City thinks he's amazing, and but you know we quickly see that he's a bit lonely, you know he he has to learn a lesson about family and teamwork and letting people into his life and there's some you know there's some nods to like it's because he lost his parents and so he's not able to connect with anybody else because it's sort of implied that. He feels like the same thing will happen to someone else. It's it's not it's not very well communicated that that might be what's going on here. Uh, it's sort of all over the place with its messages and themes. And there's also this this other. There are a lot of subplots here, and this is where the movie kind of loses me because none of them really connect super well. Because while he's dealing with this, I have to connect with this Robin, you know, who wants to follow me around. I have to deal with these confusing feelings I have for Barbara Gordon. That's not a spoiler, Great. trust me. And at this, you know, I have to, you know, the city is losing trust in me, and I feel lonely. And then also, the Joker and I are sort of in this weird romantic comedy thing. So the Joker, mm-hmm. played by uh, uh, Zach Galifianakis, Zach Galifianakis, yeah, yeah, he he's sort of he's sort of like mad at Batman because Batman won't recognize that they're arch rivals, and that's sure. that's a main that's his main motivation for doing what he does, and that's a great idea. But like a lot of things in this movie, it's it's one of like 20 ideas that are good that don't mesh with anything else in the movie. It, it, things just sort of swirl from plot point to plot point. And I had a hard time just finding something. I, I don't know. I had a hard time caring because I felt like it was just a lot of stuff being thrown at me by someone who was writing a script. And this was written by a lot of people. And I have a lot of, I have a lot of criticisms for it on its story. I think that... There are far too many scenes that beat you over the head with Batman needs to learn a lesson here, Batman needs to learn learn about teamwork, and it's done over and over again. Fantastic first 15 minutes. I mean, it's hilarious, brilliant. I wish the whole movie would have had that energy. It just really trails off for me and then just drags in the middle, drags in the last act. And I think the jokes keep you going, and they're the reason why I, I came away overall liking this because it was still funny the whole time. I just, looking back on it, it's not a Batman story I think is at any at all imp- uh, impressive. And it's not a Batman story that I think is worth revisiting, to be totally honest. I, I think it was kind of shallow in its messages, because maybe because it just over-explained a really simple idea, and it just kept hitting it over and over again. But does any of that stuff sort of, did you notice any of that? No, I agree completely. Oh, this yeah. is terrible. I was hoping you oh, would disagree on something. No, no, no. I mean, I guess it, I don't know. I don't know if I was quite as strong on the first 15 minutes, but I do agree that that movie, like the way it sets itself up, I think it's a lot funnier than the ultimate payoff of it, which is kind of, like you said, repeating the same kind of small, you know, genial, like, you know, love your, love yourself, love your son, love your family, you know, these messages that we've seen a ton of times, which I think the film is very self-aware about, as is with a lot of other things, but yeah, it just doesn't have that same. I don't know. I guess it just doesn't have the charm of the Lego movie where it felt fresh and inviting and it had, you know, it, it could stimulate itself more than I felt like 
the Lego Batman movie where like by the end I kind of was like okay I'm ready for this to wrap up yeah, whereas yeah, same. the novelty whereas the, had worn off basically yeah but the Lego movie though like I could watch that movie I mean I don't know like three hours probably and I could never because I just love that world and I thought you know I love the Emmett's point of view of it and you know what Phil Lauren Chris Miller did just you know was yeah I don't know I've already said how many good things about the Lego movie at this point but yeah it just not a bad film. They obviously had their odds against them. They made the best film they could make, I think. But yeah, and I think it's a, it's still a great movie for kids. Kids are gonna laugh even if they don't get the jokes because sure. they're told in funny ways. I think that if you're if you're a Batman fan with any salt, I think you're still gonna really like it. And I think most people are loving it. You know, I, I think you'll sure. at least like it. I, I don't. I, I haven't run into anybody who has given a strong, compelling case for why they might dislike it quite a bit. And if they do, I suspect that it just might be that they're just not that in, that into Batman, or they're not that into animated, you know, movies of this kind. So, and that's perfectly all right. I think that if you're if you're going into this and you're sold by the trailers, I think that this is definitely worth checking out in the theater. I think it's a fun theater movie. I think it's a good take your kids movie. I just wouldn't. I, I'm hearing a lot of this is like the best Batman movie of all time, or this is one oh, of yeah, the best no. Batman movies, and this is the best since whatever. I, I really don't think it's that good unfortunately i i i don't think it's in the same like level and i honestly i like silly batman i do but i just don't they're not my favorite it's not my favorite take on the batman that you know oh maybe that has a lot to do with it but i much prefer i i again yeah i like the parodies but i'll i'll take an animated batman movie batman in the animated series you know bale keaton i'll take that serious stuff over the silly any day it's just me yeah, I mean, if you're one of those people, it's like, ugh, like, brooding Batman is so old. Like, how come that doesn't go back to Adam West's, like, zaniness? Like, oh, this is all... This, this is for you. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, this is your movie, 100%. Enjoy it. You know, love it. It's going to be what you want and more. Enjoy it, love but, it, take care of it. Yeah, yeah. It Raise it as your own. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, like, it's an enjoyable film. But, yeah, if you consider it to be the best Batman movie of the past, like, decade or so like i just don't i don't there, get where there are folks from. i'm hearing some thoughts that folks are saying it's better than you know some of the keaton movies that it's better what? than yeah i'm not joking better than batman returns and better than the dark knight i haven't heard anybody say they think it's better than dark knight a lot of people okay. saying it's better than bvs and dark knight rises and those films yeah, and whatever i, I get know. where i get where they're coming from on that i, I probably i definitely enjoyed lego batman movie more than batman v superman but i have a feeling you might be a little bit more mixed on uh, you like that movie more than i did honestly i mean this is the thing that i think it's going to be most controversial to say i think i'm kind of on the same page with batman v superman lego batman movie oh so like you think that both movies are about the same level no, yeah i think, Which I, I think for you both... is not well some people might hear that and think well that's why that's why <laughs> that's what i was gonna say if you took yeah. that sound bite that'll sound very controversial but if you know <laughs> yeah. me and just know that i thought Batman v Superman was, uh, you know, it's problematic, but I enjoyed what it was going for. And I think it was like a, I don't know, I'd probably give it like a three out of five. And so that's probably where I land on like a Batman movie, which is, you know, fun movie. I enjoyed my Saturday morning seeing it. I liked that the kids enjoyed themselves and I, <laughs> I had just fun. imagine you sitting in the theater, like nodding. Ah, yes, the children yeah. have enjoyed Yes, this. yes, the children, yes. Um, <laughs> Somebody's like, sir, are you here with anyone? <laughs> you just leave. Yeah. That was that's that, that that hit way too close to home, John. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I've been been there, been there, been there. Yeah. Um, okay. Final grades. Uh, I gave Lego Batman movie a B minus. Uh, what about you, Will? 
Yep, that's where I was with the two, B minus. This is really annoying because we've done a couple of like test episodes before doing this official launch, and we've been agreeing more often than ever. And you probably heard me like sort of like wince at that because I don't like this. I, but hopefully, John Wick Chapter Two. Is well, going yeah, to let's see end. where we are with John Wick. All right, let's start a review of John Wick Chapter Two. Yeah, we didn't even need to do spoilers for Lego Batman movie. We might have to do some for John Wick Chapter Two. I suspect. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I can see that. We'll see, but. All right, so let's talk about John Wick Chapter 2. And, you know, it's it's interesting because the first John Wick, which came out in 2014, that was a movie that took a lot of people by surprise. It wasn't something that any of us imagined was going to be good, let alone as successful as it was. It made a lot of the money uh, for what it, I mean, it didn't make a lot, a lot of money. But this is, of course, the Keanu Reeves action sort of spy movie. Not spy movie, assassin movie, I should say. Yeah, and, assassin. Uh, we finally have Chapter 2, just a couple years later, and here is the IMDb synopsis. Uh, after returning to the criminal underworld to repay a debt, John Wick discovers that a large bounty has been put on his life. And that's a good way to put it, because anything else would probably... I don't know. This is a movie you don't want to talk too much about, uh, because you sort of want to watch it blind in terms of how the plot develops and what they do with him. Cause I really enjoyed not knowing what was going to happen next. Yeah. And just though John wicks back. That's all you really need to know. Yeah. So will, uh, you know, I really liked the first John wick and I'll say right now, I absolutely loved John wick chapter two. This is so far in 2017, my favorite movie that I've watched this year. Uh, this is the most competently made film I've seen since silence. The Martin Scorsese film that oh, technically wow. came out in 2016, but I saw in 2017, uh, what about you? Well, what were your general impressions? All right. So, yeah. So actually, before I watched John Wick Chapter 2, I revisited John Wick Chapter 1. Did you do that? I didn't. I wanted to because... That I don't know like why I call idea. it Chapter 1, but yeah. I remember everything about that movie, which is the funny thing. Oh, I, really? Yeah. I wasn't sort of like, what, what What happened? I remember the scenes. I remember the nightclub scene. I remember the characters, seeing them again in this one. I, I had a really good experience, I think, in the theater with john wick so okay because i think i i watched it like at home at late at night one night so i remember enjoying it a good bit but i just was kind of tired and i didn't really nodding as you were watching it like no 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 children love this oh like not yeah i thought you meant like nodding like going to sleep uh no 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 i mean i was enjoying myself i just i just remember the beats of it more than i remember like the whole outline so it was good to kind of catch up on like the russian mob stuff and kind of the minor details that get continued on this one but yeah like i surprisingly thought the first movie was better the second time than the first just because i felt like i was more aware of the characters and i appreciated the build-up to john wick kicking ass more just because i knew what he could do and just like that you know seeing that uh you know what's a guy from game of thrones the um, oh alfie something yeah something yeah just you know Theo knowing he's gonna get just like like any good vigilante movie just seeing, like, knowing that that guy's just going to get his comeuppance. Like, seeing him be just as, like, swarmy little guy, and you just know he's going to get his comeuppance. Yeah, and... reek, reek, it rhymes with weak. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this, like you said, this is, like, a movie that, like, the first one was a movie that could have just been a Steven Seagal directed DVD movie if it weren't for the director and Keanu Reeves just, like, you know, bringing it. Just, like, all the, the stunts are amazing. I, I do think they get a little repetitive by the end, but. It's just so well executed that I you think the don't way really Bob Chipman put it was really good. He said, um, "The first John Wick is the best '90s movie that ever came out in the 2010s." Sure, yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, so with John Wick Chapter Two, I did like it overall, but I don't know. I just something I just can't get on your level with it. Like I can't say it's the best movie of the year, and I'm still kind of figuring out why I feel that way. 
But I just feel, for whatever reason, this movie, more than the first, just felt really exhausting to me. Like, in a way in a way that the first movie did not. Like, the first movie, I felt, was more self-contained. And so, like, it just got in, kept the plot very simple. It knew that it didn't need to be complicated. And it just, you know... It, well, see, I would say that the only complicated thing about Chapter 2 is that they add more layers to the criminal underworld and oh. a few more rules. But one criticism yeah, I did have with the first John no, I, Wick... I, I mean, one thing about the first John Wick is I, I think it had a strong middle... But it didn't have a great ending. I thought that the ending was kind of like, okay. But then chapter two, I thought was far more even and consistent. I mean, beginning, middle, end, something amazing, uh, whether it be the camera work, Keanu Reeves' performance, or just simple character development. I think it was just always at like level 10. Whereas Wick, the first one, maybe this is maybe why you were so exhausted. That was a bit more of a patient movie. It sort of had its ebbs and flows and like it would go from sort of like slow to like, whoa, and then it's sort of tempered out. But what I love about chapter two is that even though it is sort of like boom, 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 I was loving all the creative stuff, all the original like ideas that were in this all from the filmmaking to the set pieces, to the stunt work, to the characters being introduced. I dug every minute of it. So. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I did enjoy this movie. I just, I don't know. Just, I think the only thing I had with the first movie, as far as the ending goes, is I just think that that set piece was kind of lackluster compared to like the nightclub or his house. Like, I, I think just doing that, like warehouse parking lot in the rain thing. That's like, that's like, prime directed dvd like we don't have any more money let's just shoot in an abandoned well, they, parking lot and they did they, they didn't have any money left right they blew their whole load on the, the middle oh stuff. is that true oh for sure i mean they you have to remember the the people who directed the first john wick i mean they were stunt guys they were given yeah. like, i think 15 million bucks most at tops and they were just sort of like make a movie with this we don't care and it made so amazing so it was like deadpool in that way I'd say it was far less like it, nobody expected it to be any good though. With Deadpool, no, 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 people but, actually, you know, were like, "Oh, Deadpool's coming out." With this, it was just like, "Oh, this is a generic action movie. No one's going to care about." Oh, yeah, no, 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 not in that way. I meant like how well, Deadpool, like the the end set piece is just kind of like this weird, random like ship thing, and it just seems like kind of an odd place to have a and a fight film. And that's what I thought it meant by that's why I tried to compare it to. And I see what you're saying. With, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like it just like it, it's not like okay like you probably had something bigger in mind on a script standpoint but knowing you ran out of money like uh, you did in a parking lot and then Deadpool did in like some ship thing so fallen Helen helicarrier what's totally that different it's a fallen helicarrier oh yeah, yeah or maybe right, it's not right. maybe they debunked that I don't remember but anyway so John Wick chapter two back on the movie we yeah, were yeah. talking about yeah again I I really dug this movie I thought that it's interesting because the best scene out of the first John Wick, and the first thing I'll say is that if you liked John Wick, I mean, if you liked it, most people I think really liked it or loved it. If you liked it, go check out Chapter 2. Do yourself a favor. This is one of the best movies that you can see in theaters right now. Uh, I really believe that. But Chapter 2, what it does that I really, really loved, because one of the things that I was really concerned about was that it would be too explainy you know it would come in and would try to explain the back because one of the best things about the first john wick was the criminal underworld there were these rules and ideas of they have their own currency they have their own jobs and you know everybody's sort of like using the criminal underworld to like 
basically make their plans happen and to get around and to do certain things. And it's really fun watching that unfold. What Chapter 2 does brilliantly is it adds complexity, but it doesn't add details. It, it doesn't... Basically, it keeps those creative... It keeps the creativity coming without explaining, like, this is why, right? Like, there, there's no, like this is the backstory of Ian McShane's character. None of that. It doesn't waste time. It still has that, like, you're smart enough to fill in the blanks yourselves, and your imagination is better than what we will probably say. So, yeah, Chapter 2 does all that stuff really well, and I think if we're comparing it to the first John Wick, that nightclub scene, I think, is the best thing about the first movie, in my opinion. And I think Chapter 2 never quite has that one scene that lives up to it perfectly because a lot of them sort of are descended from that nightclub scene, but it has more consistency with great scenes. It has uh, the art exhibit scene uh, shootout, which is my favorite part, the catacombs, which what they did with the shadows and like the reloading and the bullet counts was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I I really liked a couple of, a couple of tricks that they were playing. Like, you know that he's going to survive. So what they do is they intercut three different action scenes between him and three different people and you see them like change and stuff because because it's basically the director telling you like yeah you know he's gonna survive he's john wick he's not gonna lose to somebody you don't know but it's about how he gets there and it's about how he lives up to the legend and all that i thought it was really clever and it was really engaging so all of that to say i really enjoyed this movie i don't want to spoil anything else about it i don't want to like give any details to like what you might expect i just think it is such a well-made action movie we don't get action movies like this enough we don't get steady cam we don't get stunt work where you're staring at the screen wondering how in the world they did that you don't get common showing up out of nowhere pulling off like i i would never have been like i i like common a lot as an actor okay but Me too. I, I never am like I, I really wish common would do more action movies like it's just <laughs> it's not something you expect from him it comes out of nowhere and it, they even managed to make ruby rose a decent you know like i i, I don't want to hate on ruby rose i think she's you know yeah no i think she's cool person. i like her I like, yeah yeah i know she's she the best gets, part of uh really was she the best part of triple x the xander yeah, i was gonna say I, th- I thought she was the best part of triple x i didn't know she got hate though she she gets hate. Yeah, you know, she gets not hate. I I should say she gets sort of like, oh, you're in this because people are really trying to make you a thing in terms of like, you know. Oh, the Sam Warrington thing. It's kind of yeah, but I thought that what they did with her in here was really creative and interesting. So yeah, that's John Wick Chapter Two in my book. Love it. Go see it. It has some awesome cameos. Uh, you'll see Lawrence Fishburne as well, and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, <laughs> you'll of course see Ian McShane and. Franco Nero shows up. Like, that was just, that blew my mind. I was like, where in the world is he coming from? And, uh, uh who is that? Franco Nero. Oh, Franco Nero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but okay. So you liked, you liked John Wick chapter two, but what are, what are the, some of the things that you really, that you did like? What are some of the things you did? All right. So I think the best movie I'll compare it to is the, like, comparing the raid to, to raid one as far as John Wick two, John Wick one. Whereas I think, with both those movies or both those sequels, um, you have two movies that on paper are exactly what sequels should be. They're bigger. They're louder. Yeah, like, I love the Raid too. The characters are more drawn out. They have more mythology. But I mean, I, I do agree that this movie kind of has this whole like their legend precedes them. Like, oh, yeah, we know that John Wick killed three guys with a pencil once, but we don't really know much about like what his legacy is other than like people are scared when someone says their name and i think that's cool i think that make like you said you can fill 
the backstory in your head and you can assume that whatever they did is probably way cooler than what they'd actually have in their the filmmakers minds but yeah i guess i don't know just something about the fact that i think it does everything it should but at the same time i just felt like like you said like the first movie had this ebb and flow where like you got to know the characters you get you get the setup and then bam 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 and then you kind of you know slow down a bit and then you did like it's kind of like going to a club and you like you're there and you're kind of getting hyped up and then you dance and then you go like sit down for two songs and you're like yeah you, you get your drink you watch then, john wick uh on a couch real quick right. and then... but then you go back on a dan- and then you dance again and then it's just like it's perfect but i feel like john wick is like being on a dance floor like the whole night and just like you're like it's cool like you're in it but then like at the same time like you just by the end of the night you're just like want to crash because you're just like oh man like i just did way too much dancing I don't know. I guess that's the best way I can compare it because I just feel like it did everything it needed to, but I just felt more tired watching it because it just expects a lot more out of you, like emotionally and just like by the end, you're just like, okay, like it's two hours and I've just been watching all this goodness, but at the same time, it's just like I'm stuffed. Like I'm just so exhausted that, and it's it's, it's a weird criticism and it's not one I'd usually make. I, I, but get, just, I get it though because I also was like, man, how many times am I going to see these amazing headshots? <laughs> But I think that it's sort of like how you come away from that experience. If you like that experience, if you like getting stuffed and you like stuffing right. your face with awesome, you know, movie goodness, this, you know, maybe you're going to come out of John Wick Chapter 2 a little bit, you know, on the more positive side. Whereas I think that you're also sort of resenting that a little bit. Like, come on, give me give me portions, okay? I'm yeah, not, it's know. like, I, I mean, I, I love it. It's also, Glut is one of the main sins, you know, it just, you know. Right, yeah. Man, uh, getting all biblical on this okay oh man oh man but uh, i will say i did like that this one had a better sense of humor about itself i mean the first movie i especially something i noticed when i rewatched it was that it's a funnier movie than i gave it credit for initially like it has this kind of underlying dark sense of humor that i think was made more present in this movie and i think it was more enjoyable because for me the best scene in chapter two is the common fight when not the first one when they're like on the stairs and stuff but the one where they're just like in like a big crowded place. They don't want to kill a bunch of strangers, yeah, but they're yeah, very yeah. clear. Trying to, so it's like the spy versus spy. Like they're just like like my favorite like little moment. Just like they're just both with silencers, like shooting each other and then like walking. And like there's like another time like they, like they have like a bunch of space between them. So it's just like psh, psh, like without motion, they're just like shooting each other like and they're missing. It's just like. And then I'm on the train. It. Nobody notices. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Train. Yeah. It it just seems like everyone in this world is like like the Greek statues that show up in right, every yeah. scene where we're in Italy and New York for the most part. And I just think it's, it, I don't know. I, I sort of got this like vibe of everyone is a statue. Everyone there. They are the real myths. I think is what the director is trying to hit us with and watching John wick and, you know, common sort of like basically like dance around a bunch of statues. There's something, there was something like dark, cosmically funny to me about that too yeah no and that's completely intentional and i thought that was great and i think if i had one like recommendation recommendation for the third movie is i'd say just you know double down on that like i think if you're gonna do like a bunch of action again because i don't even know how much action you can fill yeah to don't, make it big. don't try to like incorporate muggles i think is what you're trying to say right like don't basically don't try to like blend the like oh no our secret society of assassins has been revealed thanks to voldemort like that wouldn't be any fun well i will say that i think the more you think about this universe the less it makes sense 
But, that's why it's so, that's what makes it so creative. But it, it is it's like an action myth though. I think that's It's a what, world filled of assassins like it's just like so even like with like the yeah, I mean I it's so obvious that like if you think about it too much like the suit coat for example right. being like bulletproof. Oh my word. But like yeah. I don't know. It has it has enough credibility to it because everything that you watch comes off so believable like the way that the action is that it doesn't cut like 20 or 40 times. I think that yeah. helps you buy into this universe. And if like something is like, well, that wouldn't happen. Oh, it's John Wick. Yeah. Well, also, I think what uh, keeps away from going into full chaos is there are very clear rules. Like in the club, like you can't kill anybody. Like this is yeah, this is a hotel full of assassins, but we don't kill anybody in this thing. Like this, you yeah. do that outside. Like any differences or issues you have, you do that elsewhere. But you're not like you can't kill anybody in our main lounge like that just messes with everybody and that just gets a bad mood like there's very like they set up stuff and like john wick you know he could just be this crazy psychopath but he has very like you know he doesn't just kill anybody you have to do something or you have to be in his way right and i think that i I, just to like to finish this out i think that they it did everything i wanted it to do as a sequel it set up a third one that i think is going to be really good if they just keep putting in the same amount of effort and i just love how they continuously raise the stakes i think that they found really good they they found really good ways to make it interesting to keep it interesting because it could be very easy to just repeat the beats of the first movie and they don't they they repeat some of the same action ideas but they incorporate it in new ways and they they have a different story it's not like a you know they killed my dog and yeah the car. dog lives like, this time <laughs> yeah which isn't a spoiler the director has gone out right. of his way to make that no he was a very good dog <laughs> he was a very good boy uh oh, yeah, sorry that's that's it yeah but yeah that's wrong with chapter two honestly if at this point you haven't seen it and you're still listening what are you doing go check it out if you have any interested in interest in it whatsoever i think honestly it's one of the few action movies out there that i think is a must-see that i think is something that it really goes out of its way to be something for a lot of people because it's not just good action. It's also good lore, mythology, and performances. And you owe it to yourself to watch movies that put more care and effort into the filmmaking. I think it can be just so easy to watch. Uh, I mean, the Honest Trailer nailed this so well. Uh, they did an Honest Trailer for John Wick on Screen Junkies where mm-hmm. they showed, they compared like a scene of Keanu Reeves doing uh, you know, the nightclub scene, and then they jumped over to Taken. You know, I think it was like the second or third one. Uh, the third one with the fence. Yeah, it takes like ten or twelve shots to show 15. him jumping over a fence. Yeah, it, it's it's absurd, and I really think that it's because you know shortcuts are shortcuts for a reason. They're easy. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really I really enjoy movies that put that extra effort into it. That they have that elbow grease that other films don't. So final grades uh, for me, I gave this one an A minus. What about you, Will? Uh, I'm gonna go with a B. Okay. Um, I think a B is, I, I gave the last one a B plus. Yeah. Yeah. I gave, I gave the first one like a B plus. I'd say this one just, I, I feel like, like, like with the first movie, like I imagine if I rewatch it, I'll love it even more. And it's possible because I watched the first one right before I saw Maybe this that one. That has something that, to do with your fatigue. I mean, so. honestly, that might, I mean, I do not know, but I just know like, but the first one I was just ramped up. I was like, yeah, like I, like by the end of it, I was like, yeah, John Wick, you, you kicked ass. You did a good job. <laughs> you did so and this well. movie, I was like, John, you did a good job, but I'm just like, I need to take a break, man. Yeah. You know, just, I don't know. It just, I can't like, I can't fault it for being 
like a good movie, but at the same time, like if you exhaust me, I don't know if that's like I don't know if that's intentional. All right, well let let's that that's Sean Wick chapter two. We both liked it. Uh, this was a good week. Two movies that we generally liked. I really liked John Wick chapter two. Uh, you just you liked it. I think a B is a fair grade. If, yeah, uh, I liked it. Yeah, definitely, definitely in most people's wheelhouse. Uh, go check it out. So that was Lego Batman and John Wick Chapter 2, and that's all we have for you on this week's episode. So we're going to give you a few plugs, a few t- a teaser coming up on what we're going to talk about next week. But first, uh, don't forget, uh, too, we're still figuring out how to make this podcast easily accessible to all of you. And obviously, you can find it on YouTube, on the YouTube channel for We Got This Covered. You can find it on wegotthiscovered.com. You can also find it on iTunes and Stitcher. You can download episodes there pretty easily. And, of course, links. If, if you're watching this on YouTube, for example, and you want to download it, you can always just find and subscribe and everything like that by going to the uh, description below. And other than that, if you want to connect with Will and myself, uh, I think the easiest way to find me is on Twitter. Uh, I'm at John Negroni. And you can also go to my blog, johnnegroni.com, which is where I put most of my work. And uh, what about you, Will? Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, too. I am at the Will of Ash. You can find all my reviews and all my random musings about life if you want to. I take umbrage with that, though, because I don't think you post all of your your Twitter things. Or I don't think you post all your reviews and stuff on Twitter. I, I, I don't rarely see you share. You, you usually are doing that on Facebook. Oh, no, I do. I just I share. Well, that's the thing, because like with Twitter, yeah, I guess you have to share it multiple times. And then with Facebook, you share it once and a lot of people comment and it just goes up. So maybe I, I don't know. I, I have to I have to get better at Twitter, but uh, I hope you follow me and maybe you'll follow how much I get better at yeah. it. I don't know. Yeah. We also have a uh, Cinemaholics Twitter that you can uh, follow, and uh, I haven't created the Cinemaholics Facebook page yet, but that's coming up, and uh, maybe it should be out by the time this this podcast goes live. Yeah. Yeah. So next week we're going to be talking about the Oscars because a week after that is when the Oscars are going to happen, <laughs> and. It'll be a, a general thing. I don't think we're going to spend too much time, but I think we're going to try to talk about them in a, I don't know, maybe talk about Oscar movies that uh, we think deserve to win and maybe go over a few of the categories we think are most interesting. We're also going to review The Great Wall, the latest movie coming from Matt Damon and uh, the first of many whitewashing controversies in cinema in 2017. Yeah. Uh, can't wait. And uh, we're also going to be talking about Fist Fight. That's the, uh, the Charlie Day an Ice Cube movie that's coming out that I'm really excited about, actually. I, I, I watched the latest trailer for it in uh, for, for John Wick, actually, and I am, I'm just so into it. I really want a comedy like this. This is going to be a raunchy one. I think it's going to be I, I think it's going to be hilarious. I really hope it is. Uh, but yeah, those are the two coming out. Which one are you looking forward to the most, Will? Well, I can't say I'm looking forward to Great Wall at all. So I, I guess, jo- I, guess I don't know. That, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about fist fight i don't know if it's going to be good but i like the people involved i don't think charlie day is the best history with movies because i know on he's he's great on it's always sunny in philadelphia but i liked horrible uh, bosses uh, i didn't like i, didn't I, like I don't horrible think they're terrible movies i, I, I never finished the second one i see i'm just hoping that this new one I, i'm hoping that fist fight is a lot better yeah i'm hoping it's not the same sure i mean he deserves his own you know good yeah, I don't know. If, I was gonna say franchise, but I don't think it's. It, I think it's just gonna be a standalone thing. But yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for the best, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah. So, 
There's uh, one other movie coming out with Natalie Dormer. Uh, this is called Patient Zero. Uh, I don't think we're going to talk mm. about it because I, I don't think it's going to be released anywhere near us. But it has. I don't even know what it is. It has Matt Smith, the uh, Doctor Who, and uh, Stanley Tucci in it. And uh, yeah, the it, it has uh, Samuel Tarley from Game of Thrones too. Uh, oh really? John Bradley, yeah. Um, yeah Two people from Game of Thrones. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, not anymore. One of them. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by Stefan uh, Rizowitzki. And uh, the synopsis is, after an unprecedented global pandemic has turned the majority of humankind into violent infected, a man gifted with the ability to speak the infected's new language leads the last survivors on a hunt for patient zero and a cure. So that's coming out. I, again, I don't know if we'll have time to talk about it, but who knows? Yeah, probably not. But, you know, <laughs> life's unpredictable. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to Cinemaholics. Only on We Got This Covered. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you guys again next Monday. And yeah, I from the internet, California, I'm John Agroni. And from the internet, Pittsburgh, I am Will Ashton. Would it be the internet, Pennsylvania? Sure, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got you to gotta represent Pittsburgh. But... Represent. Yeah. All right. See you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for checking out Cinemaholics, only on We Got This Covered. For more episodes, subscribe to We Got This Covered on YouTube and subscribe to Cinemaholics on iTunes for episodes on the go.